Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. How are you doing, Jimmy D? Well, I'm I'm looking amongst this list of logs, and I feel like I have far too many of these players. Um, so not the best fantasy week, but other than that, uh, you know, life, life's good. You know, who, I'm not going to sit here and complain. Life's amazing. It's fall. It's a great time of year. Yeah, there were a lot of disappointing fantasy performances this week, but one of them, one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen and probably the best performance I've ever seen live was our number one winner of the week. I'm going CJ Stroud as an ultimate dog at quarterback, just diving right in here. I got to see this game live this past week between the Houston Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was incredible watching CJ Stroud just go out there and cook. He was going up and down the field, taking the biggest hits of all time. And I'm not talking just hits. I'm like talking about like hits. He's getting hit all the time and just bouncing back up. Like it's absolutely nothing. Just slinging the rock. We were right in front of the catch that Tank Dell had in the back of the end zone where he just perfectly dropped it right into the hands of Tank Dell. Tank didn't have to do shit. It was all just CJ Stroud on that pass. It was an absolutely incredible game to go to. Plus we had the game winner at the end. Yeah, no, I, I was jealous of you when you told me that you had tickets to that game because honestly, that, that might be the best the Bucks offense has looked in like an entire calendar year because like they didn't ever really look that great last year. Right? They just could never quite figure it out. I mean, they were they were putting up points. They were moving the ball over the place. It was just, I mean, I don't know what you do when a rookie quarterback's throwing for almost 500 yards. Like you're, you're just kind of screwed. It, honestly, it was really an indictment on that Bucks defense. It's like, what are you guys doing? I mean, this is absurd. This is the same team that you know not only three years ago was shutting out Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Um, they really still have most of those key defensive players. It's like, what what happened, guys? Yeah, the Lions broke their soul a few weeks ago. That's what happened. If we're being real, that offense just went crazy against them. Yeah, you make some great points. I think it was really, really clutch for Tampa Bay to get into a rhythm early. They were up early in the first quarter, had a good-sized lead, and it was looking really good for them. Rashad White was actually another big winner for us this week. He was RB1 on the entire week after a lot of paltry games for him. And just getting that running game going and then also just getting him in space was so important this past week. There were a few times where I was like, oh, that was a great catch by Trey Palmer. And then I was like, wait, that was Rashad White. He just looked like he had 4-2 speed all of a sudden. So a really, really clutch performance there. The defense was strange, right? Because the linebackers and the defensive line were looking pretty good. Obviously, the Texans had no running game. We had no Damian Pierce this week. He was a kind of a surprise scratch this past week. We had Devin Singletary, RB1, which was disgusting. So no running game going on. Levante David had a really cool punch out at one point to force another fumble. Man, just seemingly is ageless. We had Devin White, who we thought was going to be the next heir apparent there in Tampa Bay. That didn't happen. But the corners just got cooked all day long. And like you mentioned, C.J. Stroud broke the record, the rookie record for most passing yards in an entire game, breaking Andrew Luck's record, which like seemed unreachable given all those big performances that he ever had. I think the the biggest thing here that we should really consider is the amount of vindication you and I should feel for how hard we were drumming CJ Stroud in this offseason. Uh, it feels good, I think, collectively on this podcast to just be like, just watching that Carolina game, two pick sixes from Bryce Young. And, and I get it. It's a different team, right? The Houston Texans were in a better place, even with drafting second overall. But man, that Panthers team looks like, I, I mean, they just look like they're, they need a, a rebuild already. And it's like, you just traded away this year's draft. Like you're traded away. What's probably the number one overall pick 
this year for the number one all pick last year. Like it's it's just a rough situation for them. And then the Texans look like a team that could squeak in the playoffs if you know if they keep this momentum going. Yeah, I, the funniest thing I saw all weekend was that between the two first quarterbacks that get taken the, in the draft this past year, we saw a combined eight touchdowns between them. Five from C.J. Stroud, one from Bryce Young, and then two from Bryce Young to the other team. <laughs> Truly brutal performance by Bryce Young, and I really didn't expect him to look this bad this early on. I thought he'd have a little bit better performances, but he's just not getting put into su- situations to succeed. Going all the way from the top down, ownership group, all the all the coaches that he has, the wide receiver personnel that he has. I, I thought that you couldn't really go wrong with either of the top two, but I thought CJ Stratton had a slight edge. You were maybe a little bit more divide between the two of them, but I was so big on Coleridge, Bernard, Stroud, and he's been going absolutely nutty this season. And I, I loved my take on having the Texans make the playoffs, and I like it even more now. I think the thing too, it, so the thing that's helping CJ is he's got Nico Collins, who, I mean, obviously not an elite wide receiver, but a young guy that has a ton of promise. They use a draft pick in the second round on Tank Dell, who is just balling out this season. Uh, Dalton Schultz, they went out and got in free agency. Like, so they gave some weapons to CJ to let him try to figure things out. And what did they do in Carolina? They Oh, they traded away their 24-year-old wide receiver one, as well as two first round picks. It just looks rough when you, when your wide receiver one's the corpse of Adam Thielen. Yeah. Yeah. They have done him absolutely no favors, uh, no tight end help really at all either. And the offensive line is just kind of mid and then all the defenders that could make it a reasonable game for him to win. They ain't doing much either. It's really just Brian Burns on that side of the ball. So a disaster in Carolina this year. I don't think anybody expected it to be this truly this bad. Uh, one of the other funny things I saw this past week was looking at all the top receivers of this past week. You mentioned Schultz. You mentioned Tank Dell. Um, you mentioned uh, just like how Coleridge, Bernard, Stroud had a big game. That included Noah Brown. We also had Amari Cooper have a big week this week, as well as CeeDee Lamb. Pretty much all the top people this past week either former or current Cowboys. <laughs> what is freaking odds, man? The the wild one. Did you see um, Cooper's touchdown? Mm-mm. The, it was the luckiest touchdown catch, I think, in NFL history, but definitely NFL this season. So it was a deflected off the helmet pass from Deshaun that went so high in the air, like it just threw the defense off and somehow still just landed like perfectly within the slant for Amari to like just jump up and grab. It was absolutely supposed to be an interception. And somehow the defense was just like, hey, guys, we're tanking. Like, just let them have it. It's fine. That's awesome. I mean, somebody has to catch balls from the Predators. It might as well just be Amari Cooper. He finished for five for 139 today. Honestly, a pretty dang good performance from him. Definitely one of the big dogs at wide receiver. And I already mentioned CeeDee Lamb, but also his quarterback, Dak Prescott, was huge this past week in a losing effort against the Philadelphia Eagles just a couple of inches away from what would have been an even bigger performance. But we saw back-to-back weeks from Dak in 30-plus points, which is which is huge, honestly, because of all the disparity that we're seeing between the top quarterbacks and the bottom quarterbacks. Dak being big this past week has single-handedly won me a couple matchups. This is the, the ultimate game for Dak, right? Down the whole time against a kind of a bad uh, secondary like this is the game he needed to really show out and he did it. It's unfortunate for real life deck because they got the loss. So he's taken a ton of scrutiny, but fantasy deck balled out this week. Yep. And as much as I love the Dak performance, I absolutely hated the Joe Burrow performance. My dad texted me even. He was like, 
oh, Joe Cool having a great game today. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving now. I'm sorry. I, it's not good for the agenda. It's not good for my mental health. I, I can't I can't reasonably come if you're just going to be complimenting Joe Burrow all the time. But kidding aside, he had an amazing game this past week, was truly just dealing, and he really needed a get-right game like this. We've seen a couple of, like, Oz Joe Burrow back games, but this was, like, solidified, like, hey, Bengals are right up there with the rest of the elite of the AFC. We're going to do contenders, pretenders here in a little bit. And Joe Burrow is truly back and is no longer feeling that injury anymore. If I were a team in the AFC East, I might trade five first round picks to get Joe Burrow because of the way he deals against the Bills. I guess your guaranteed way to beat the Bills every season is just have Joe Burrow as your quarterback. I mean, the way he competes against the top AFC talent is unbelievable unless you count the Ravens. Like the Ravens you have to remove because he's just never great against the Ravens. It's like that classic, you know, interdivisional uh roulette where it's like the Bengals always beat the Steelers that always or the Browns always beat the Steelers. Steelers always beat the Ravens. Ravens always beat the Bengals. Bengals always beat the Browns. Like it's a really weird rotation there. But man, against any other AFC team, Joe Burrow is just feisty. No other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're like, who puts up 600 plus yards and five touchdowns on back to back weeks between the 49ers and the Buffalo Bills? Like that is some playoff football that's being played right now. And he truly balled out. I got to give credit where credit's due. I'm not trying to glaze right here, but it has, did it at it least, has to be done. Did it at least help to watch Burrow just absolutely ass blast Josh Allen. So at least like you're watching Allen play terrible and you can feel a little bit better about yourself. Exactly, exactly. What was also bad for my agenda was what happened last night. I don't know what the hell happened because I didn't watch this game, again, for the mental health reasons, but Justin Herbert just looked absolutely awful last night. An absolute log. Only had 136 yards, was 16 of 30 passing, seven total fantasy points, and easily won the game. If anything, the the real winner of the whole week is the freaking Chargers defense. They went crazy. I, I did win a week. Uh, single-handedly because of the Chargers defense won the game by two points my defense put up 27 their defense put up 12 that was enough to to cover the gap um no I think what we saw it for those of us that were sickos and actually watched that miserable game this Jets defense is unreal they are so good right you have sauce stopping anyone that he's on top of that defensive line gets pressure instantly they just can't move the ball on offense. Not, not that we're surprised. Like Zach Wilson ain't him. We knew it before the season. We're seeing it every single week. They should have been the team that traded for Josh Dobbs. I don't. I don't know why they let the Vikings sneak under the radar and get a seventh. You know, you know, uh, trade a seventh for him or whatever it was. And Josh Dobbs just has the it factor that Zach Wilson will never have in his career. I, I think they're hopeful that Aaron Rodgers comes back. Like Aaron keeps saying, like, "Oh, give me a couple weeks, I'll be good to go." And it's like, dude. No human at age 25 can come back from an Achilles this quickly. No amount of ayahuasca at age 42 is going to get you back to full health. He will play one snap, crack the Achilles again, and be out for his career if they let him come back this season. Yeah, my my man Aaron Rodgers is just obsessed with trying to prove everybody wrong. And I'm like, dude, like, this just ain't the year. Like, I I know they were on that three-game winning streak, which still sounds wrong to say out loud. But, like, it's not going to be this year. And, like, that defense isn't going anywhere. You get another year to maybe get Mekhi Becton even healthier, another year to get Alan Lazard off your team and get a competent wide receiver in there. Like, there's a lot of good things to look forward to next year. I'm like, I don't know why he's rushing to get back. Also, an underrated thing about the Jets they have a Michael Carter on offense, the running back that we know and love. They also have a Michael Carter the second on defense. Who would have thought? But I totally agree with your Josh Dobbs take. Like they got 
Josh Dobbs for nothing in Minnesota. It was like a sixth round pick or like a seventh round pick swap or something. It's it's a six, six for seven swap. You know what the Jets did? They got Tim freaking Boyle, man. These eyes have watched Tim Boyle many a times in Detroit. Tim Boyle in college when he was at UConn threw for more interceptions than he had total touchdowns in his career at UConn. Like the dude is straight up bad. And that was their idea of a quarterback upgrade besides just continuing to run with Zach Wilson. I feel bad for Robert Sala because he's a defensive minded coach is usually kind of just like a let everybody else handle the offense side of things. And his defensive masterclass is just getting spoiled right now. If they would have actually been aggressive and went to get another quarterback, Kirk Cousins before the injury, Josh Dobbs, like you noted, even like even like a Derek Carr or something like that. This offense could have actually been something. This team could have actually made a run. Yeah, but it's tough. I they they the number of times they go to to Sala on the sideline and it's just the most blank. Like I think I might actually kill myself tonight. Face is I mean just comical. It's it's pure pure genius. He gives the same look that I do to people when I walk into the hallway at work. It's just kind of like that little straight line across your mouth, you know. Yep, yeah, that's exactly. what he looks like every single time on the sideline. So, yeah. Not not to belabor the point too much on on the dogs logs, just so we can hit some of the more interesting segments. Um, you know, dogs Ramondre had a good week. You said Rashad had a good week. Kw three terrible. Uh, Bijan not great. Arthur Smith needs to be fired into the sun. Um, Zach Moss, who's a top five RB, bad week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's just some rough games out there in general. Um, waiver wire ads from this week. The the revelation I have had. And it's like the guy that I never want to get, but for some, like I'm going to have to add him because I have, I'm in tight end hell is Taysom Hill as a running back. You might as well throw him in your tight end slot. If you're like me and you're just trying to find consistent points, I could be mistaken, but it's something like four 20 point games this year. Like they, they just love to use him. He had a, he's I think like the, one of the first players in 50 years to have 10, receiving 10 passing 10 rushing touchdowns on a career or something like that like he, he just gets used in so many unique ways and um their offense is bad this year he's he's getting like 10 carries a game as well as three or four catches like i just I think i'm gonna start throwing him in the lineup and hoping for the best yeah the the whole running back thing is a revelation it feels like whenever he does get the ball it's like for a pretty good yards per carry back in week two nine for 75 Last week, he had nine carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns. This past week, 11 carries, 52 yards. That's a lot more efficient than Alvin Kamara, let me tell you. I, I'm honestly not against it either. And you're, I'm the same way. I would never consider Taysom Hill ever, ever. But, like, with the tight end disparity that we're seeing right now, like, do I have Taysom Hill or, like, Gerald Everett? Like, give, give me Taysom Hill all day long. <laughs> or how about our boy Johnny Smith? As you and I both finally gave up on him, gets the 60-yard the 60 60. screen pass to the house. Um, that was brutal to watch. I, I think I was in tears seeing that happen as Kyle Pitts is blocking for him or on the sideline, just pouting. I don't know. So painful, man. But another big thing that's helping with Taysom Hill's overall fantasy development is a guy that I would drop for Taysom Hill right now, Michael Thomas. He has considerably regressed so much in terms of what he's able to do with his targets, really leaning into the slant boy moniker this past week was active against the uh, Chicago bears and had zero catches for zero yards he has not cracked double digit fantasy points in weeks i don't want michael thomas on my roster anymore and he's still rostered in like 90 percent of leagues I, I wouldn't bother at this point i think the problem is five years ago michael thomas was a first round pick that won you your league uh, you know a la antonio brown and people are kind of hoping for that magic it's like just watch him play one game 
the dude's cooked. It, it's unfortunate. It's definitely injury related, but at the same time, like he kind of did it to himself by going to his doctor, not the team doctor or whatever the heck he did, or like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to play on it and be fine. And then the, the season starts and he goes, actually, you know, what? I think I maybe will get that surgery instead now. Like the, the dude did it to his own career. He, he could have been a generational talent and I just ego stupidity, whatever kind of got to him. And he's just not that dude. Yeah, he's almost to 500 yards on the season, but he is not going to be a good fancy player. He's only cracked double-digit points once. It's even worse than I thought. He's going to be the sneakiest worst player of all time to have a 1,000 yards receiving, where he's going to have zero impact when it comes to fantasy and real-life impact, but he's just out there getting five for 50 every single game, seemingly. So no more Michael Thomas for me. Another guy that I just want to highlight real quick that isn't on a lot of rosters, only 50% rostered according to uh, ESPN, Chuba Hubbard, man, he, he had another good game this past week, out-snapped, out-carried, out-fancy, performed Miles Sanders once again, which is someone I would definitely drop at this point, which we've kind of beat that drum for a while now. Chuba Hubbard, if he's not rostered in your league, I, what, is Bryce Young going to end up throwing for 50 yards or 50 attempts in a game? Probably not. Give me some Chuba Hubbard instead. Yeah, then you got we got Tank and Keaton Mitchell here. Tank Dell's an obvious add. Um, I'm so glad I got him last week, right? I, I made a trade. I traded Drake London off my roster, and I was like, oh, I better grab a receiver. All oh, cool, Tank Dell's out there. Let me grab him. I didn't play him, but it's just good to have him on the bench. And then Keaton Mitchell is an interesting one because all of his touches were in garbage time, but every time he touched the ball, it was like for 20 yards. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure what to make with him. I, I think he's going to be the fool's gold waiver wire ad that won't touch the ball because he's squarely third on the death chart they were just up by 30 points in the fourth quarter so that, you know, the special teamer got carries. I'm just a little bit interested in Keaton Mitchell. Like obviously a lot of his run this past week was just one big run that he had down the sideline. Like, I don't know, like spell it a little bit of Gus Edwards. That offense is really valuable whenever it comes to non Lamar. Lamar Jackson's awesome, but he doesn't seemingly score touchdowns. It's all the running backs instead. Keaton gets a couple touchdowns here and there and continues to have a little bit of burst to Gus Edwards, you know, ultimate rumbling style. Keaton could be interesting. I, I might pick him up in a few leagues. That's just me personally. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Cam Akers, sad. That's I, unfortunate. I feel, feel bad, but yeah, he, the, the dream is done. Achilles tear, man. Why is this guy injured all the freaking time? Honestly, with the Achilles tear, he might be able to maintain the same yards per carry if they just trotted him out there anyway. Uh, but, no, it's really unfortunate to see a, a young, promising talent. It, this is probably the career under a la Tariq uh, Cohen. You know, it's the second time he's had the Achilles pop. Like, dude's good as done. Yeah. Another guy who's, like, chronically injured and also I'm just, like, kind of starting to hover over the panic button. I'm not, like, full-on pressing it, but, like, we're, like, right there just teasing it. Christian Watson, man. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how dire it is unless you have Christian Watson on your team. Man is not performing this year. He has 213 yards on the season, back-to-back-to-back four-point performances. He's not really getting a good target share from Jordan Love, and then even the passes that he does get from Jordan Love are not good. He only had one catch this past week, and I'm getting a little bit worried. Like, dude's obviously talented, but he's hurt a lot and clearly just hasn't been effective and. He's still rostered 85% of leagues right now. It just feels way too high. He, he started the season with a surprise hamstring injury for four or five weeks out. I, I think that was uh, the the red herring, if you will, the, the canary in the coal mine. Like it's It was a bad season. It's going to continue to be a bad season. Christian Watson's absolutely droppable, and I was as high as anyone on him coming into the year. Same, same. I was like, Christian Watson, 
fourth round. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. But yeah, yeah, I love love the upside. He's going to be getting all these targets. Gets no targets. Whenever he makes a big catch, he somehow gets hurt. You know, going to the ground, grabbing it. Like, dude, just ain't quite it. Uh, that's the thing in fantasy, though, is you got to be willing to cut bait whenever it's just not working out. Uh, are we getting close to the Bijan Robinson panic button season? Uh, probably. I mean, you're obviously never cutting him because he does get touches as a running back. But if you can find a trade partner, might be worth it. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know who I don't know who you're going to feel comfortable trading for. But like, you know, it wasn't too long ago. You could have easily got Jameer Gibbs plus something. And that's never going to happen now. You probably could have got um, maybe some like ETN non-believers for a straight up swap or something like that. That's not going to happen. Like even now you could probably get maybe David Montgomery and that would be honestly the Monty hunters might be like, uh, I'll write it out and see what happens. I got I don't know what you do with them. Yeah, no, same. I have him in a couple leagues because I was like, oh, yeah, Bijan in the second round, like, sign me up. That's good value. And I don't know what to do with them. I can't trade them because I'm getting swindled in every potential trade. Can't cut them because we're not there yet. You know, he's still, like you said, getting carries. But also, it kind of sucks starting him because he's only had two 100-yard rushing games this season. Only has uh, one rushing touchdown this season and two receiving touchdowns on the season. Like, he's really not doing a whole lot for you right now. And until something changes without how that offense is run, Arthur Smith getting fired or something like that, it's just a little tough for a guy that we really thought would kind of be the runaway offensive rookie of the year. We're also doing midseason awards later in the pod. The problem is Arthur Smith is still there. I don't think I don't see him getting fired in the offseason because they're going to be right there in the playoff mix, you know, with that division being so bad. And they might even win their division with it being as bad as it is. And, you know, if you make the playoffs, your coach isn't getting fired. and We're just going to be right back here talking ourselves into drafting Falcons players again next year. And, and I think, you know, you're going to have to like mark this moment of like, as long as Arthur Smith is on, is that coaching staff? I'm not touching a Falcons player. Yeah. I'm so glad the Vikings won this past week as that, I'm saying that as a Lions fan whose Vikings are in the division with us. I don't want to see a single NFC South team outside of the Saints in the playoffs. Like they're all so ugly and boring and terrible and poorly run and poorly managed. Please, no more Arthur Smith. Like, don't let this experiment go on any longer. All right, let's, let's, let's go. Tender pretender. Let's, let's do it. Do it. I, I'm, I'm counting right now. These teams are ineligible. They are at the top of the NFL. These are bonafide, at least going to be in the playoffs, going to be going deep into the playoffs teams. Chiefs, Ravens, Eagles, 49ers, Lions, Cowboys. Do you have any problems with any of those? Yeah, your love for the Cowboys is, is bogus. They, they should be in the contender pretender list. We can at least debate it. Okay, let's move it in there. We'll see what happens. Okay, so you got the first on the list. We're going Miami Dolphins. What's your thoughts? Yeah, after this week, I, I was on the fence. I'm squarely a pretender for the Miami Dolphins. This team just destroys bad teams, but unfortunately, you don't play bad teams in the playoffs. They're not a contender. They just they lose to good teams. The, the offense of just, just like disappearing the last few weeks has been so freaking strange. Only putting up 14 points against the Kansas City Chiefs, which I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be a thing that jolts them back, right? Like you got that fun rivalry, Tyree Kill versus his old team. He wants to show out, all that good stuff. And then they just put up a paltry performance. I'm also on the pretender side of things, and that's someone who picked the Dolphins to go all the way in the Super Bowl. I, I also had Mike McDaniel for Coach of the Year before the season started. This whole jackal and hide thing, as soon as the weather starts getting cold, is really confusing to me. And you people can say, oh, yeah, A-Chain, he's out right now. Like that That's all the difference. He wasn't going to make a difference anyway. You have three running backs that are all the same. The whole experiment, it's over for me. And I'm I'm sad to say it. It's sad. Yeah. So yeah. D- double pretender on the Dolphins. 
Okay. Next up. Next up, Buffalo Bills. What are we thinking? You lose to the Patriots, you lose to the Jets. I have a hard time taking you serious. I'm kind of leaning towards pretender on this one. The only thing that makes it tough is Josh Allen is dubbed Mr. January, um, which we both can laugh at, but um, I'm still going to go with pretender. That this There's something just not right in Buffalo. They can figure it out and I think maybe win a playoff game, but man, you play, you play them Bengals again, you play them Chiefs again, you play the Ravens. I bet the Ravens would just dog walk this Bills team like, Every team they have to face just knows how to beat them. It feels like, right? Like all the better AFC teams know how to beat this Bills team. This Bills team knows how to beat up the AFC East. That's about it. Yeah, that's what's interesting is like the AFC East that we were so vaunted about and excited about is actually kind of sort of middling at this point. A couple of the teams are falling off. You got pretender. I can't believe I'm higher on the Buffalo freaking Bills than you are. I'm still saying they are a contender right now. If you're looking at point differential in the AFC, number one, Baltimore Ravens. And guess who's number two in the entire freaking league, actually? Buffalo Bills at plus 80. Yeah, there's been a few screaming matches between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Yeah, Gabe Davis put up another big disappearing performance this past week. I think that this team has better depth than a lot of other teams in the AFC right now. They just picked up Lenny Fournette. That's kind of interesting. He has some playoff experience. Zach Moss is still figuring some things out. I, I just think this is a better roster than a lot of other teams have. I think the only thing ultimately that holds them back a little bit is I just hate how uninventive Sean McDermott is. Yeah, he's finally getting Kincaid mixed into things, but he just feels like such a conservative coach that I feel like it holds him back a little bit. If they get somebody else in there just to mix some things up, um, which Leonard Fournette might help a little bit, I, I feel like the Bills could still go deep. All right. Cleveland Browns, how do you feel about them? Cleveland Browns, man. I, I'm still going contender. I, I Maybe that 49ers game is just still so locked in my head, but I feel like the defense is just so dang dominant that we can still see – PJ Walker, DTR, or Deshaun Watson, or the corpse of him at this point, I still feel like they could win a playoff game or two. Still, I, I feel like they're, I feel like they're in there for potentially winning the AFC. Still, maybe not winning a Super Bowl, but I think they're right up there still. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it pains me, but that defense is so good; it, it makes up for the lackluster offensive performance. But they get the rushing game going. You know, they get that defense firing on all cylinders. They're a pretty damn tough team to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Seattle Seahawks. I'm a pretender here, and it's very, very hypocritical for me to say this, but dang, that Baltimore Ravens game was eye-opening. I, I could put the Lions game behind me, but dang it, I cannot get this past game behind me. Geno Smith looked awful. We kind of glossed over him as a log this past week, but he was doing absolutely nothing for you. He's like he's like a skinny girl, you know, just doing absolutely nothing for you, man. And that was just really, really painful to watch how this offense has kind of just fallen apart a little bit. Maybe some Charbonnet or something like that can mix some things up, but uh, it feels like everybody's taking a step back. Jamal Adams has not been that great. Tariq Woolen's been a little bit worse this year. Bobby Wagner's still balling out and having, honestly, an all-pro type season once again, but he seems like the only one who's gotten better this year. Everybody else has taken a step back. Yeah, th this week was tough to watch. I think they're a contender, and the only reason is that NFC is just so much weaker than the AFC. We've seen them play really well against NFC teams. This team can't win a Super Bowl because whoever's coming out of the AFC is just built to just rock this team. Uh, Gino's got to step it up, though. You can't, you can't, you know, highway robbery Seattle and, and expect to, you know, just keep this rolling. Like you gotta, you gotta go earn that paycheck. 
Yeah, and the FC West is a little bit tough. You know, you got the Niners there. You got uh, the Rams, who have been a little bit feisty. The Cardinals, honestly, are not terrible, and they're getting Kyler back. So um, negative point differential in Seattle, which is surprising for a 5-3 and three team. Another 5-3 and three team that definitely has a negative point differential. I'm talking Pittsburgh Steelers here. Negative 30-point differential. What are your thoughts on them? Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator. Absolutely a pretender. He just not creative with, you know, with that offense. Kenny Pickett needs to be told that it's the two minute drill and they're down by six points every time he touches the ball. Cause only then is he able to actually make pro level throws the rest of the game. He is just air mailing that ball all over the field. They are such a weird team to watch, which is unfortunate because their, their defense is on par with the Browns. I think the Browns are a little bit better, um, but you know, they just, they can get a hell of a pass rush going. The problem is like they, they physically can't move the ball, right? Najee's not really himself. Jalen Warren's been pretty decent, but they, they don't get that push that, that they need to like, they, they just can't match the Browns rushing attack because the Browns offensive line is so good. Um, and then Deshaun and Kenny Pickett or even dealer's choice are basically the same person at this point, but you know, can you just, he can't elevate that offense with, with Canada calling the plays. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, you just got a conservative quarterback with a conservative play caller, and it's like a recipe for disaster right there. I am the same way. You have four teams that are above 500 right now in the AFC North. There's no way that continues here soon. If I had to pick one team to not make it out of the AFC North, it's definitely the Pittsburgh Steelers right now for me, so I'm also going pretender. Next up, stay in the AFC North. We got the Cincinnati Bengals. What are we feeling? I'm contender. You said it, man. Joe Burrow. He's just so good, so good against good AFC people. And again, when you're playing the playoffs, you're facing good teams. So if Joe's playing the way he's playing, as long as Jamar's injury isn't too serious, like this, this team could go, they can just go right back to the Super Bowl. You know, they just got to get hot. Yeah, the defense is all playing well. Trey Hendrickson was doing Trey Hendrickson things again this past week. Cam Taylor Britt, man, I, I've said it on the pod before, but I would keep saying that top 10 cornerback. Maybe top five. He had another interception this past week. He is very much so in the Marcus Peters mold of just being a crazy ball hawk. And yeah, if Joe Burrow with the wide receivers that he has just continue to do what he's doing. You can't say they're not a contender. I mean, I I, I hate being this way because I hate the Bills and the Biggles, but they're definitely going to give the Ravens a run for their money as well as the Kansas City Chiefs. AFC is stacked this year. Last up here. Dallas Cowboys. We knocked him out of the ineligible status. What do you feel on the boys? Yeah, I had to do that. Just, I'm still going to put them in contender though. I just wanted to mess with you a little bit. Uh, you're, you fall two yards short of beating the Eagles in Philly. Like they clearly have what it takes. Dak has to play that well every week for it to happen, but I think he is capable. He, he catches way too much flack just by being, you know, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, but man, they can generate so much pressure. They can generate turnovers. It, it's a tough team to beat. Yeah, the defense is what makes the difference for me, right? Like Leighton Van Der Esch is almost back to his rookie season when he was a rookie season pro bowler. Not a lot of defensive guys do that. You got Michael Parsons continue to get insane pressure off the edge consistently. And Deron Bland, man, like same thing like with Cam Taylor Britt. Like he gets a ton of interceptions. And every time I see a big interception guy, it reminds me of Gerard Hallman was a safety out of Louisville. Like that dude was just getting crazy interceptions. But that's because he was just going straight for the ball. Man was not worried about any other wide receiver that he was defending. But these guys, Bland and Taylor Britt, they know when to go and when to gamble. That's what's so impressive is just that, that level of instinct that they have. Two top corners for me. They're going way up in terms of my defensive rankings. Anyone else that you think should be on this like contender pretender teeter totter? 
No, I, I really think we captured the, the teams that have a legitimate chance. You know, maybe throw Jacksonville up there. We, we're not. We haven't discussed them. I put them in pretender. I, I just I don't think they're gonna stick with with these top guys. I think they're gonna be the four seed that gets smoked by like the Dolphins or something like that. Actually, the Dolphins probably win the division. They get smoked by the Bills, and then it's like you know the big four that we expect to be, and and the that uh, divisional round are gonna be playing. Yeah, Lawrence has been everything that I expected this season, which is incredibly average to slightly below average pretty consistently. Maybe his second half is just the time for him. He just loves cold weather football. He's just going to go crazy like he did last year. But right now, he's just been very, very average and honestly kind of getting propped up by Doug Peterson and Travis Etienne right now. He He's not been the prince who was promised like a lot of people expected. I think the only other team maybe we could throw in here is the Chargers. Like they're four and absolute four right pretenders. Brandon Staley is still their coach. <laughs> okay, never mind. get that man out of town. The <laughs> worst I thing sh- that happened. The worst thing that happened for them was winning that game last night because now Staley can stick around. I towed that line a little too close. I, I knew I shouldn't have said anything, so that's my bad. That's on me. That's on me. Okay, we got NFL awards. We're gonna have to power through those. Start us off with your defensive rookie of the year pick. Should have been Christian Gonzalez. Unfortunately, he's out for the season. Devin Witherspoon, I think, has been picking up a ton of steam, a lot of hype around him, getting big plays, getting big plays in prime time, which is huge to kind of bolster that support. I, I think he's he's been really proving himself quite quite a bit here recently. Yeah, and Witherspoon was my number two pick here. He's been having big plays, big hits too, which I love out of a good corner. I went with a guy that I also like in the secondary, and there's a little bit of a – you know, slight bias here. Go on, Brian Branch, the safety for the Lions. He's been playing multiple positions. I think that is super, super valuable. Also, look at us having two defensive backs as our guys. Usually, this just goes to the number one guy in sacks for a defensive rookie of the year. But nah, we're we're getting we're getting progressive with it out here. A la Devin McCourty. I'm a big fan of it. All right, offensive rookie of the year. It's obvious. It's just so obvious. It's CJ. I mean, the, the toughest position to play has been balling out the whole season making the Texans look like a real team. It, it's got to be CJ Stroud. Yeah, I looked up the odds for all these battles that we have going on. And yeah, CJ Stroud is easily the biggest favorite for any award. He is like minus 600 right now. He is a runaway right now. And it, it makes sense. A lot of really other good performances so far this year, thinking his teammate like Tank Dell, thinking, uh, you know, Josh Downs has been having a fun season. Zay Flowers has had flashes, but it it's, it's obvious, man. It's CJ Stroud for sure. Coach of the year, who you got? I'm going Nick Sirianni. You, you look at the teams that just have to put up the best records and just continually win big games. It's easy to sleep on him because I think he won it last year, but this Eagles team is just humming again. And it's like you you have to kind of tip your cap to him. It's been an absolute dominant run for the last two or three years. Yeah, he's single-handedly going to get other people winning awards. Jalen Carter is right now the favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Sirion has been going absolutely dummy. I'm going with one of his old assistants. I'm going Shane Steichen here for the Colts. Mike McDaniel was my pick in preseason, but Steichen has just really won me over with how he's been helping his team perform. And I, I really feel like the guys who usually win this are the ones with the best story and like best overperforming, not necessarily the best coach, as you know, with Bill Belichick. And I feel like uh, Steichen gets a chance here because I don't think anybody expected the Colts to be this good, especially without Anthony Richardson for a good portion of the season. For sure. Comeback player of the year. Who's got come on their back? Um, you know, I, I didn't even like understand really who to throw in here. I, I was trying to kind of rack my brain of any big injuries from last season, but I think you hit it. A guy that everyone and their uncle thought was out of the league. You assumed he was bagging groceries in Canada, but Josh Dobbs, I, I mean, 
what he has done has been just nothing short of incredible winning games, being on like eight different teams in seven years coming in. This this past week was the statement game, right? The the quarterback goes down. um, He's got uh, O'Connell telling him what the play even is in his ear. Just like, Oh, this is your, your average sticks concept. Just tell the guys, this is the play. Here's what you do. Right. Like they basically had to run the play within the first 20 seconds. So O'Connell could tell him what the hell was about to happen before uh, the ball was snapped. Yeah, he's going to have a 10-year career just off of vibes and, like, good fan favor and just overall just being incredibly coachable. I, I love me some Josh Dobbs. This is this is obvious and easy. The, the only thing is, uh, I was looking at the odds, it, it's going to be DeMar Hamlin just because of the story. And then also, oddly, ahead of Dobbs right now in odds is Lamar Jackson, which, like, I don't really think of him as, like, a comeback player. He played over half the season last year, but whatever. Uh, defensive player of the year. Big, big competition for this one. Who do you have in this category? I think it's got to be Miles Garrett. We talked about the Browns being contenders, you know, pretty much exclusively because Miles Garrett, yeah. right? I, I mean, his his performance has been so dominant. He's been better than TJ Watt the years TJ Watt was getting this award. Like, he's just all over the field, just terrifying people. Getting teams to have uh, delay games because they keep moving the double teams every time he switches field. Like, it, it, he's just having a monster season. Yeah, yeah, it, it's Miles Garrett, and he just makes everybody else's job so much easier. Any of the guys in the top four in sacks could easily win at Daniel Hunter, shout out, TJ Watt, Max Crosby. Uh, but I think it's got to go Miles Garrett. He's the guy right now that is like winning in every single category, kind of like for a while Aaron Donald was. I'm talking like pass rush win rate, everything, double team rate, everything. It's all Miles Garrett. And I, I think that he's like the number one defender in the NFL, and he deserves it. Next up. Offensive player of the year, who you got? Yeah, to me, it's got to be Tyreek Hill. Uh, the, the Miami offense is super potent, although they they kind of disappear sometimes against better teams. But I, I watched a, a segment the other day that was like highlighting MVPs, and it was basically just a bunch of quarterback highlights. And they get to Tua, who's having a better season than I realized. His entire highlight reel is just Tyreek Hill's highlight reel, but they showed Tua's stat line to it. Like he is the entire Miami offense. Without him, this team is below average. Tyreek is just on a different stratosphere right now. And the only reason it's even close is because the guy who you picked is somehow also having, you know, as big of a game. I just don't think he has the same impact on his offense the way Tyreek does on Miami's offense. Yeah, we're both picking guys from high-powered offenses. I got A.J. Brown here. Both offenses could easily survive without either one of these guys, which is what's hilarious, right? Like, you got Jalen Waddle, you have Devontae Smith, and they're just, like, crushing it this year. I love A.J. Brown's ability to just truck people on the goal line, and that's really what's slightly pushing me over the edge. I also said this last week, and I really like the idea, so I'm going to keep hammering this drum right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill, though, like, he could go for over 2,000 yards this year. He could break calvin johnson's record easily because that's just who he is lastly we have mvp two is up there other people are up there who do you have for mvp yeah i i wanted it to be Tua. the problem is this last week happened right and and mahomes beats Tua in a a kind of highly publicized game and I, I think that kind of pushes mahomes over the top that people are seeing his receivers be just abysmal and then continue to win games so He's got to be the front runner right now unless Hertz really steps it up. Yeah, Hertz is also right up there. That's a good point. I, I think Tua is a little bit fraudulent, getting carried a little bit by some of his other players. Mahomes continues to just be average, right? But his average is everybody else's best game of all time. So that gives me the edge to Patrick Mahomes easily. <laughs>